I already hate this. <laughs> hey guys, and welcome back to Cheers. Hello. We have a... I don't want to say different, but we have a more, a for sure more serious episode this week. Um, I mean, I guess we could just jump right into it. This whole week, me and Marissa have kind of gone back and forth with deciding whether or not we should even post, since a lot of people are doing, like, blackout for at least a week, and just, like, if we were to post, what we would even want to talk about. So, honestly, this whole week has kind of been back and forth with what we even wanted to do, but we kind of just came to the conclusion that... This is what we're going to talk about. I don't want to spill too much. So I don't know if you want to say anything with that. Yeah, I mean, with everything going on in our society at this time, I personally struggled with the decision on whether we should make a podcast on this because obviously we don't want to be like inconsiderate and like come across as promoting the podcast, which is not like, I don't know. But at the end of the day, it is important and it is a conversation that has that needs to be had mm-hmm. and needs to continue to be have had <laughs> over time forever. So, I mean, there's you can post on your social media all about your personal opinions and kind of everything that's going on in the world at this time, but at the end of the day, like having the conversation with people about it and being able to have that conversation and like continue on, I think is super important. And so I think that's why we kind of decided upon the decision of talking about it on the podcast this Mm -hmm. week and just kind of going on to things that have happened in our history and things that have happened now and kind of how that has led up to this moment and kind of what we can do to change that. Exactly. And I know like one of our biggest things is like, we both didn't really know like our perspective and how we can make an impact. But I think anybody who has a voice should use it. And though we don't know if our opinion is the right opinion, I think we all have a an opinion and obviously we don't want to make this come across as like this is how we feel so that is why we have brought a special guest on for this week and she really had made an impact of to like why we are deciding to post this because without her honestly I don't know if we would even be recording right now but she definitely is influenced so today we are welcoming our other best friend who we've talked about multiple times Mariah hey guys thanks for having me I'm super excited we're a little nervous no we're nervous we're excited to have you because you obviously being a person of color have your own experiences that you have experienced throughout your life and uh, I feel like having you on today being able to share those experiences and being able to share kind of your thoughts on um, our current society is very important and something that needs to be heard. So I'm very yeah. glad to have you today. And what we're kind of talking about, like this whole podcast, obviously, like Marissa said, we're going to be talking about things that are going on right now, but we're also an episode that we always wanted to do was kind of just deep and diver dive in deeper with other people and so we always wanted to bring Mariah on just kind of talk about like growing up as a mixed kid and like things that like she's had to deal with so we just kind of felt like we would mix in both those topics today and have this podcast for you so should we just jump in I'm yeah. ready. okay so we talk do you want to talk about your life first or should we talk about what's going on right now you blow it at me tell me okay 
I'm ready. Should we just start? I'm sure, as you all know, kind of everything that's been happening in our society right now, you've seen it on social media, you've seen it in the news, you've read articles about it, um, you've had these conversations with your friends, with your coworkers, literally everyone. And so kind of what we wanted to talk about a little bit today is just kind of the the racism in our society that is still unfortunately prevalent in our society still today and then kind of in regards to that we wanted to talk a little bit on the um well like the racism in our society the um police brutality the white privilege the um the articles and like the books and the movies and like the research and the resources that we can go and research on Mm -hmm. to kind of help yeah. in any way that we can to make this issue known and heard from everyone to be the change. <laughs> right. So with that being said, like, what is going through your head right now with everything that's been happening? Well, um, my emotions have been super high the past few days just because I can, I don't know, I just feel the pain, I feel like, from a lot of the black community Um, I tried to avoid watching the video at first and I finally one day accidentally clicked on it and I was, I had to watch it. So I watched it and I don't know if a video has ever made me cry so hard out of pure sadness and just anger and just like my biggest question was where can I as a woman of color here in Omaha, Nebraska, what can I do to change the world? Mm -hmm. And, you know, I sat and I thought about it for a while and I can't change the world. Me, Mariah Griffin, I can't. I, it would be, I don't know, maybe impossible. But I can use my platform and where I stand as a student, as a nurse, as a friend, as a family member. I can impact the people who I surround myself by every day and making that the knowledge of people who are oppressed and unfairness and just spreading love where I can to change my world. I couldn't change the world, but I can change mine. And so I think that this whole situation that has occurred and what's happening because of it, I I just feel like I want to talk about it all the time. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, Zach and I have been together for a couple of days and it's I, I don't even think we spent one day without talking about it. Just no. saying, you know, like, here are my beliefs. What are your beliefs? And You know, I actually was talking to my grandma today and I told her that when I call people, I say, so what are your beliefs about this? Because I want to hear where people stand. I want to hear where their knowledge is at and ask them what they understand. Because a lot of times I feel like people are very unknowledgeable about this conversation. And Mm -hmm. so their 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 opinion to them may seem valid, but they just don't understand the other perspectives. And so if I can shine a light on that, that's truly what I try to do is just continue the conversation and let it grow and going along with that like like you said we've been together for like five days now (laughs) and I feel like I've honestly grown so much in these five days just understanding because like I mean I am a white middle class privileged man like I I know I'm 100% white privileged like so just being with you it's really even opened my eyes even more like I thought I was already like I don't want to say the word woke I don't think this is the right time but I already thought I was like had so much knowledge of like what it not what it was like, but, like, just what people go through and everything like that, but just being with you these past five days, because we've been together since all these riots and protests have started, and so, like, it's just crazy how 
different everybody's views are. Totally. And something you said earlier with like you what you are supposed to do to change the world. You said something along the lines of that. Like what yeah. like you were asking yourself like what should you do? Like something that I kind of wanted from all of us here to think about or to answer is like what are the and I put in quotes like responsibilities for everyone. Like what are what should each like as a black woman or as a black man like what is the things that you should be doing compared to like how, like me as a white person should be doing in a time like this? Because yeah. I mean I put it in my Instagram caption not to keep talking but in my Instagram I posted the other day I just said I'm gonna read it word for word I said I don't I know I haven't said as much as I should on the situation like this but truthfully I don't know what to say I don't know what to post I don't know what I do know is I I'm here for you I hear you I see you as someone who preaches equality and lives my life with that mindset I feel as if my responsibility to make sure that it is spread throughout no matter your skin color gender sexual orientation equal means equal though I don't know I have been trying to educate myself to have a better understanding and to try to be to better myself for others I am privileged and I 100% know that. I need to use my powers, and quotes, to help the lives of others who do not have it as easy as me, a white, middle-class male. But I want to know, I or, but I want you to know, I may not be a person of color, but I have friends and family who are, and I proudly stand with them and every single one of you. So basically what I'm trying to say is, like, I, I mean, I, and we've talked about this, and I'm just going to be 100% open. Like, I didn't, I posted that the day after the Blackout Tuesday just because I don't know what my stance should be because I mean like me and Marissa were saying like we didn't even know if we want to talk about something like this just because it is so delicate right yeah. so I, I just didn't know like what what are your thoughts of like how anybody should be yeah. I think that's such standing a good question, right now Jack. um I think everybody has a role and it's so important that people know their role um you know any person of color black um female or male I think their their role is to teach teach strength. I would say, you know, like it's our job to teach young black women and black girls and boys, I should say, you know, how to stick up for yourself. That's a huge thing. How to um, to know when you're being treated unfair. That's a really big thing, you know. I have a a friend who she is black and Islamic. I think that's the correct term for it, but um her and I go to school together, and we had a situation that came across where people were treating her unfairly due to her race, and that really irks me. Mm-hmm. It gets under my skin, and you know I'm biracial, so it's a it, that's another iffy topic. You know, can I stand up for her? But you know, I stood up and I said something, and she said her dad told her to just say okay and apologize, even though she wasn't in the wrong. Hmm. And you know, I told her like. Unfortunately, our elders are victims of slavery and past injustices. And so they've told themselves, they've grown up saying, just keep quiet, do what you got to do so you can be left alone. And And that's no longer the movement. You know, we don't quiet our voices anymore. You speak up, you say what's wrong, you stand up for yourself. So as a black woman, as a black man, you stand up for yourself. You know when when you're treated unfairly and you correct it. Mm -hmm. As a Caucasian male or Caucasian female, your job is to understand and hear. Mm -hmm. If someone says, hey, I'm being treated unfair, understand where it's coming from before you just jump to a quick conclusion oh they're a thug are they really a thug or did they have a really tough life and they don't know better you know people come from so many different backgrounds and I think that we're so quick to just judge from a picture and from a skin color rather than the actual human being itself and you know I just think the the word ally is it's so I think misunderstood like just because you say you know you could say I hear you I see you but 
are you hearing someone? If you're at the grocery store and you see someone being wrongfully accused of having a fake $20 bill Mm -hmm. just because they're black, are you going to step in and say, you know, hey, this is not right. They're fine. And stand up for them. If you see a police officer arresting someone and it's not correct, are you going to stand up and intervene? I think that's the biggest thing, you know, is knowing that that privilege allows you to intervene and you should intervene. Yeah. So there's a difference between, like, an active ally and, like, an inactive ally, I guess you Or, would like, say. an active ally and a social media ally. Correct. Yes. Because like, it's so easy totally. to post on social media totally. and be like, I'm here for you, reposting yes. on your story, liking, sharing, all this thing. But when you are in that situation in real life... Will you be the one to step up and say something or will you be too scared or will you be be too uncomfortable Mm -hmm. and just sit back and let it happen? Or will you just assume the worst and just Mm -hmm. ignore it and think that it, oh, it's probably just a regular stereotypical because it's not always the case. Mm -hmm. I feel like I'm going to be like quoting a lot of different things today, (laughs) but like as I was like trying to do research and like I said, I'm trying to educate myself more. Like I found this thing. One of the topics that I wanted to kind of hit on was like posting and reacting just because versus doing it in a mindful way. And the quote that I found said like, why are you doing it for yourself, for you to feel like you've made an effort or is it really for the sake of your black friend and their well being? Mm -hmm. Cause I kind of was researching like, I don't want to just keep using the word black, but I was researching like how to, come like how to talk with your black friend right like in a time like right now like this was a a source that i found that basically was just stating like like what marissa said are you posting just to say that you post and you can check that box or are you posting it because that's what you mean and you're willing or you're trying to make a change and make an effort Mm -hmm. to make the world better and you're passionate about it right yeah i mean there comes there's multiple things that can be done to not only be just to like post on social media and be like hey guys here's my post I'm with you whatever but it's like also behind closed doors what are you doing are you doing the research if you if you are already educated that's awesome take use that and educate other people but if you aren't then take the time now to do your research on black history um, <clears throat> watch speeches from um, people of color talking about this topic read the books read the articles if you're not a reader listen to the podcast watch the movies like don't just don't just share other people's mm-hmm. thoughts and opinions on it also like do the research so you can have your own and so if you were to have if you were to be in that situation where somebody is being discriminated against you you have not necessarily like the courage but like the knowledge, knowledge. the back knowledge to back yeah. it up and the, just like to stand up for that mm-hmm. person totally yeah i couldn't agree more and again like what i think we talked about earlier like we are here today just to kind of talk about and just get the information that we know we we already know that we do not have all the information in the entire world because no one does but i also kind of want to take this moment to say like we're also using this for you guys to give us more information more knowledge just because there is so much stuff that i don't know about black history and just the history of discrimination as a whole so don't think we're doing this because we're like we know all this and now we're going to hear to spread it to you but we are using this as like this is what we know and if you don't know i'm glad to share it with you or if you know more than us help us out too because 
you can never have too much learning and knowledge. It's a conversation. Exactly. It's like, even if we're having a conversation, we want other people to have a conversation with others, but also with us too. Like it needs to be a conversation that is had and not just had just this week. And then mm-hmm. once everybody goes back to posting, like whatever they're posting, mm-hmm. whatever they're eating that day, it's not talked about. Like anymore. it's not talked about anymore. Yeah. And then it's pushed aside, pushed aside. And it's, it's not, nobody's talking about it. So this needs to be something, a conversation that is had now and is also continued to be had and not just had now ignored until the next person is murdered or the next person is killed or something, something tragic happens where everyone's like, Oh, here I am again. Mm -hmm. Isn't it unfortunate how something tragic, tragic has to occur for things like this to happen for people to open their eyes and really say, okay, I guess it's time for change. Right. I mean, how long has this been going on? For years, I mean, decades, centuries. It's, it's well, and it's just sad because I mean, though a murder is the highest form of like racism, discrimination. Like, I, there's smaller things that happen each day, and like oh, we totally. should be. This should be an eye opener for just even small things that like we're going to talk about it later. Like what you do with every single day, like that's not okay either. You know, yeah. like I mean, obviously murder is horrendous, and nobody should die just based off the color of their skin. But they're so. There are smaller issues, too, that, like, people deal with every single day that build up to things that are happening like this right now. Not to backtalk too much, but we were talking about, like, we talk about all these things, and then all of a sudden one day, I made this note. I said, after this, and I put, quote-unquote, dies down. I don't necessarily mean dies down, but I said, but what should allies do next? And again, I found another quote, and then somebody said, you shouldn't have to wait for a black person to die in order to show your solidarity to people of color. This is one day out of 365. What are you going to do the rest of the year? Is this the only day you're willing to listen? Yeah. And now, when I read that, I was kind of like, wow. Like, it was kind of eye-opening because... Again, I'm not perfect, and I'm going to be as open as I can on this podcast. Like, in a situation like this, when I was younger, like, something like this would happen, and after a week, it's kind of like, all right, now what? Like, going yeah. back to what you just said, like, going back to posting my one, my coffee for today, you know? Like, this should be a conversation every single day, just because it's never going to end. As bad as that sounds, racism and discrimination is something that's going to be in our history forever. And it's And it's more of the fact as well, where it's like, one tragic event that will happen that will make national news but what about all the other events mm-hmm. and uh, um discriminated events that people were discriminated killed um had recent remarks said to them like all those little things that didn't make the national news they didn't even make the local news that are still happening every single day that aren't being talked about so that's just not okay because if that's the case then all of these unheard voices will just be thrown in the dust and they won't be acknowledged and they won't be listened to. And so having this conversation, regardless of where you are, who you are, just making them known is what's the most important thing. Yeah. And I feel that. And again, like, I mean, I feel like I keep going back to like an ally, but I am an ally in this situation just because I am not a person of color. But there was a story that like kind of, hit me harder I guess in a way just because it deals with like the LGBT community and I'm not trying to transition to that but it was something along the lines of like somebody what and we talked about like you if you're in it you have to be all the way in it like if you're gonna be an ally you have to be an ally all the way like you can't stop and basically the story was of this girl who basically said like she supports like Black Lives Matter and she supports like like the African American culture and like race and everything but she wasn't she was uh 
a homophobe and she was homophobic so in that way it's like you cannot consider yourself an ally if you're not a complete ally like you're so basically what you're saying is i black lives matter but not like the lgbtq plus community of the black lives you know so it's just like that in that situation it's it really opens your eyes to like just because people say one thing does not mean that's what they fully are and so like Basically, what I'm saying is, back to, like, my Instagram post, not to keep talking, but, like, equal has to be equal. If you're going to feel some type of way, you I think you need to be all in or all out. Like, if you are not going to support one part of a group, then just be the complete opposite. Don't even support them at all. I mean, I, I hate to say that, but it's just, like, you're kind of contradicting yourself by saying, I'm an ally, but there, here's this exception, you know? I'm an ally for one Exactly. One community. Right. So basically, you're narrowing down to like community as a whole. Exactly, because to me, that's like narrowing down to like one person. Like at that point, you're like, oh, you have to have green eyes. You have to have this hair. Like if you're gonna be nitpicky, let's be nitpicky. Yeah. But like, if you're gonna be an ally, be a complete total yeah. ally. So yeah. Which is something I feel like our friend group is very good about. Like we're all different. Like obviously, like Marissa is half Mexican. You are half black. Here's half black. I'm in the LGBT community, and so it's just like oh, yeah. being an ally is something that we all have to do every single day. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Okay, now, Mariah, if you don't mind, I would love to hear about, like, your personal experience that you've had growing up being um, being mixed, being female, mm-hmm. and then also just kind of your story, because I feel like that's super important and yeah. it needs to be heard, so. Yeah, well, um, no, I don't mind at all. Um, I am biracial. I honestly don't really like to call myself biracial because I'm so many different ethnicities, I guess mm-hmm. I should say. Um my mom is white, blonde hair and blue eyes, and uh, my dad is black. Um, so growing up, I my parents are split, and so I lived the beginning of the portion of my life and with my uh, very close with my dad's family. Um, and then as I got older, I spent a lot more time with my mom's side of the family because my family doesn't live nearby, and um, it was just it's I I have a friend who always tells me mixed kids are mixed up, and you really are like. Growing up, it's just so, it's so different spending time with both sides of your family, you know. So my um, dad's side of the family, I, um, every time I would go over there, I would just want to, want to like dive into their style of things, which is so different from my mom's side. Mm -hmm. So like, you know, they're, even down to the food, like the food on my dad's side of the family is very, you know, seasoned and cooked and fried and my mom's side it's baked and maybe not as seasoned I mean it's still great my girl can cook <laughs> Nana if you're hearing this you can cook but um it's just that's just different but um I remember growing up I um would spend the summers with my dad's family and it was so much fun but I would my cousins would always be with us and I have a lot of like female cousins on my dad's side and not very many on my mom's side and um, when my cousins would be over at my granny's house, they would all be getting their hair done. And I would want my hair done. Well, I have very curly hair, but it's, like, very white. It's not, like, it's fine. Like the fine. texture. Yes, it's fine. It's not, like, thick, mixed, coarse hair. It's very curly and thin. Well, you know, it's hard to braid hair like that. Right. And so There's no I, hole to it. There's no hole. Like, I fall asleep and it falls out the next day. And I just remember, like, going over there and I would have, like, bow wow straight backs because I just <laughs> wanted to have my hair braided like my cousin so badly. But it's just so funny. And then I would go home and my mom would be like, what did you do to your hair? And, you know, because my mom's so used to having my hair in, like, curly and in ponytails and with like a bow or like yeah or straighten you know and so it's just it was just so different like my mom wasn't used to that culture also so 
going home, I would take my hair out and then I'd be back to normal on my, how I would be with my, you know, white side, I guess you could say. But, you know, I always felt like this was the hardest part was I felt like I changed each time I was with a different family. So when I would stay with my dad's family, I felt like I became so much like them and Mm -hmm. I would try so hard to fit into their style of things. Like, I don't want to say like, they're not ghetto by any means, but the way they talk with slang, you know, right. I would try and change the way I talked with slang. So then I'd go back home to my mom and she's like, why are you talking like this? Like, you don't talk like this. And so it was just like, it's just very different to understand really who you are and which one is the right one. There you're is kind of no, damned if you do, damned if you don't. Yeah, there is no right way to be. And so the older I get, the more I I tell people, like, I love who I, who I am becoming because I felt like, you know, for a little while there, like when I was probably in middle school, I mean, I've always been proud of my color, but I would totally act more white, I would say. Like, I just didn't, I wasn't aware of who I was, mm-hmm. I guess you could say. Like, as a kid, I would have black Barbie dolls at my granny's and white Barbie dolls at my mom's and at my grandma's. And so, you know, it's just, it's it's a difference. You grow up with two different things, and so you're just not quite sure what you really, who you are and what you know what you are so mm-hmm. I feel like that was different growing up that the just the struggle of balancing like am I black or am I white or can I be bold mm-hmm. and so my grandma you know my mom's mom she's Native American and she's Irish and so she looks a lot like me now when we're since we're since I'm older we actually just got she got called my mom at Target today but um, <laughs> sure she loved that. I know I, told her, I was like you probably <laughs> love that you look so young but um you know she has really instilled in me too like you are a child of God. You are not a color, sort of speak. You are a person. And I feel like, you know, I'll go out in public and people will come up to me and say, oh my gosh, what are you? And that just ticks her off because she's like, she's a human being. Like, what do you mean? Mm. What are you? What are you? <laughs> and I, yeah, and I say the same thing. Like, what are you? Hi. But it's because, you know, I have light eyes and I have curly hair and my skin complexion is just different. And it's not... You know, like, what What am I, you know? Like, when you look at me, you're like, he's white. Like. <laughs> but people come up to me, and, you know, when I lived in California, everybody thought I was Hispanic. I'm not Hispanic. I go to work, and people think that I speak Spanish. I am not a translator. So right. it's just, like, everybody has, they base everything on your skin. Like, I could give you this example. When I went to go get my driver's license, I went with my mom. And, um, like your first time getting your license? This is my very first okay. time. I think it might have even been my school permit. It's like 14, I'm really not sure. 15. I think I was like 14 or 15, yeah. So we go up to the register, and I'm filling out the form. And, you know, you fill out the form, and they're always really rude, but whatever. <laughs> so we go up, and for the race column, I marked black and I marked white. I didn't, read, I didn't even really read it. I just saw race, and I always clicked both because that is what I am. Mm-hmm. Well, I go up, and the lady said, you can't be both. You have to be one or the other. And my mom let hell in that facility. Like, she's like, what do you mean she has to pick one? She's both. Mm -hmm. And so the lady said, well, you can pick other if you want. So my mom goes, that's fine. She'll be other. So we deliberately told the lady to give me other. I get my ID. I get to the car and I am, like, staring at my ID because I'm so excited, you know. It says black. She put black under it. So she gave me a label before I ever even got to decide who I really was. Exactly. And not only that, but... I told her I'm both. Mm-hmm. I don't proclaim myself to be just one, you know? Yeah. And it's not that, like, of course, walking down the street, people would say, oh, she's black. 
because of my skin color. But I'm black, I'm Native American, I'm German, I'm Irish. Like, I'm so many different things. And for you to put me in one context column, so... Well, even just the fact of, like, her being like, well, then you have to pick other. Because then that goes back to you not even knowing who you are, what you are. Because, like, she's putting you in this completely different category of just other. Like, exactly. other can be a million different things. If you're and not, if which you're you not are, white, you're other. Exactly. And which you are a million different things, but it's like, why can't you be accept and why can't you proclaim all of those exactly. instead of just being like, oh, I'm other. I'm just one. And, you know, like, God forbid I ever go to jail, but if I do, it'll pull up on the screen other. <laughs> and, like, everybody's like, why is she other? Because it's black. She's clearly black. Exactly. Like, but it's, 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 it's things like that that you come across and you wouldn't think that people come across, but they do. Mm-hmm. And I just think that, you know, that was not right. So now, today, as a 22-year-old female, I for sure have other on my card because I feel strongly about, you know, I am a black woman and I am very proud to be black, but I like to acknowledge that I am multiple races. I yeah. am not just mm-hmm. one race. And I don't want like to be... Um, circled or squared into one exact box yeah i'm not one box i'm i'm a various amount of boxes right so yeah it comes it comes and it goes but yeah that is crazy so going along with like you obviously saying that you're mixed Mm -hmm. and we talked about you growing up like what was the first time that you experienced racism and like maybe you like talk maybe if you know like maybe talk about yourself and maybe talk about like your family or like your brothers like just go all with like I mean, not to bring up too much of your family, but just everything. Well, I actually cannot tell you. I've only heard stories about the first time I've experienced racism because I was a baby. Um, My grandparents used to live in Atlanta, Georgia, and uh, my mom and I went down to Georgia to visit them. And I guess we went to a restaurant and they said I was probably like one or two. I was just a little kid. Like I was in a high chair. Well, my grandparents are... Caucasian, You know, you can tell they're Caucasian. My mom is Caucasian. You can tell I was a mixed kid. Well, so the waitress comes up. She takes our orders. She brings back everybody's items except mine. And my grandma or my grandpa had said, you know, why is her stuff not here? She's missing all her stuff. And the waitress was speaking to someone in the back saying how she wasn't going to serve me because I was black. Wow. And another waitress heard, overheard, said something to the manager and the manager stepped in. And so he came up and said something to my family and said, you know, I'm so sorry that you experienced that. And they were, they didn't even know that it was happening at the mm-hmm. time because someone was working in the back. Mm-hmm. I guess you could say an ally. But, you know, they stepped in and they were just like, yeah, she's no longer going to be working here. And I'm so sorry you experienced that. And they brought they gave us our meal for free and, you know, brought us our stuff. But I always think back at that time. And that's something that I can't even remember. But I'm no. just like, wow, as a little baby, you know, I was... You can't even defend yourself. I couldn't, yeah. And, you know, who? who's to say, like, what? I'm, I was two years old. Right. Like, and I know I was a good kid. Like, I always hear that. But that was just uncalled for, in my opinion. And that was the very first time I experienced racism. Um, I experienced it plenty of times growing up. But I think one um, story that really triggered me was I was in high school and I had lived in California and we had um, we had different PE designations. So like one season we do basketball, a couple weeks we do baseball, hockey, whatever. And so it was during our baseball season. And this boy, he was, I was up to bat, and he was behind me, and he was talking, and he said something like, "Come on, you N word, okay?" Calls me the N word, 
okay, first of all, I'm, I'm hot-tempered, so <laughs> I look at him, and I'm like, be the bigger person, be the bigger person, be the bigger person, and so I'm up to bat, and I said, if this bat hits you in the head, <clears throat> if this bat hits you in the head, I'm not going to feel bad for you. Right. And so... You know, I, I swing, I hit. He doesn't get hit, unfortunately. He should have got hit in the head. But um, he actually ran to the principal. And I had I didn't even know where the principal's office was. Like, I was not a bad kid. Well, he goes to the principal, tells the principal that he's scared for his life and he feels threatened by me. Oh and he was, like, so upset, okay? So I get a call over the intercom. Ryan Griffin, please come to the office. So I'm like, what in the hell? You're like, I'm going home. So I'm like, I'm like, yay, somebody called me out. So... <laughs> I go down, and you know, a re- another big thing that I think was the problem here is I didn't even feel like I could defend myself. Exactly. I told my friends, and of course, you know, everyone around me is like, that's wrong, that's wrong. But it, you silence yourself because you're like, when do I say something? Yeah. Am I being a snitch or am I standing up for myself? It's like this tear totter scale. Well, I go to the principal's office and she sits me down, and I cannot fake this because I've experienced this just two weeks ago as well. She said, you know what, Mariah? Being called the N-word is the same thing as being called a bitch. You just have to learn how to get over it. No. no and I looked her in her eyes, and I'm like, you have got to be kidding me. And she goes, you just need to learn how to get over it. It's the same thing as being called the F-word if you're gay. Mm-hmm. And all these all these terms. And I'm looking at her like, no, it's not. Well, I tell my mom, you know, this blonde lady. And the thing is, too, is they had no clue what my mom looked like. Mm-hmm. So I tell my mom immediately. I leave. I call her. And my mom pulls up so quick, and she walks in. They had no clue that that was my mom because I don't look like... I mean, of course I look like I have a white parent, but the way my mom looks, you would never just look at her and be like, oh, that's Mariah's mom. Yeah. We don't look alike like that. Well, she walks in, and she raises hell. I mean, she was like, that is not the same thing. It's not okay. It, it's just... It's really not to compare the two. You there's know? a long line of history with that word yeah. in oh comparison my gosh. to just and calling someone a bitch. Exactly. I could be called and bitch like right. both of them so it's just it's sick but i think the other big thing too is just realizing as i got older the voice that i have and that i'm allowed to stand up for myself absolutely but, i mean not even just standing up for yourself but other people standing up oh for sure i mean That's i well. stand up for i would consider myself an ally to all communities mm-hmm. i stand up for just about anybody right. anything i see is wrong i stand up for mm-hmm. it. i don't care if i look crazy i will most of the time i get more mad than they do because i'm just like it makes me boil like what is the problem why do you feel okay saying things like that you Mm -hmm. know like um two weeks ago i was at work and i work at a hospital rehab center and we had a patient come in who was racist and all the nurses had been talking about it and the place where i work is predominantly people of color i mean we have people that are muslim we have black african i mean there are very few white workers mm-hmm. at my job, especially during night shift. And I work the night shift. Well, I had went up to my nurse and I said, hey, I just want to let you know, like, this patient is racist and does say these words. And I just want to have this just for me to say, like, hey, this is what's going on. This is what I know. If something were to come up, can I let you know and you can take over for me? Can you handle all the cares on this patient if he comes to be racist to me? Because it's something I don't put up with. Right. And as I tell her this, she goes, oh, it's just so frustrating how, you know, different nurses can decide who and when they want to take care of someone. Number one, wrong. Number two, she said, 
being called the n-word is the same thing as being called a bitch i mean people just need to learn to get over it i mean they're just so sensitive and people get so offended i'm not sensitive about my color i'm not offended about my color i love my color Mm -hmm. but what you're not going to do is take tear me down because you're not okay with who you are and that's not appropriate tell you how to feel exactly so after that i mean that's the beginning of my shift that happened at like 8 30 so i have about (laughs) <laughs> 10 more hours with this crazy woman okay and it just it boiled me because there was another aide sitting right next to me and did she stick up for me not once no. and i looked her in her eyes and all i could say was i wholeheartedly disagree with you it is not the same thing and she just shrugged her shoulders and was just like whatever it's not the same thing At it all. will never be the same thing and all mm-hmm. i could think about was i hope to god this woman does not have kids because she's going to generationally teach her kids the same thing a lot of the problems we have today are a generational problem i feel very strongly about mm-hmm. that and it's what you're taught totally and you know afterwards she was saying something about how she doesn't have kids i'm like thank god because <laughs> those poor children but it's just it happens like I, you know, and I'm, and I think of it too, I'm biracial. So I have, I'm not as dark as some of my darker friends and I can't imagine what they go through. You know, sometimes people are only racist to darker skinned people, mm-hmm. not fair skinned people. Mm-hmm. And that's a problem to me too. That's Absolutely. not okay. Cause it, it, it shouldn't matter what color you are at all. But you know, I experience it frequently and probably always will. So all I can do is talk about it and keep up the conversation and just stand up for myself when I know it's wrong. Mm-hmm. When I feel like that's something that, like, not to keep bringing up your family, but I feel like you, what you have learned, you are trying to, like, teach and instill in your brothers. And that's oh. something that I've noticed. Like, just, like, I mean, going back to when you said that person in your middle school had said something to you in that moment, you didn't know how to react. But I feel totally. like now you would know how to react, and that's what you're trying to one, not only do for yourself, but what you're trying to preach and tell your brothers, like, this is what, this is the right response in that yeah. moment, you know? And it's it's sad because I am not a black male. Exactly. And I can't, I can't ever be in their shoes. Yeah. I will never be able to understand, even as a black woman, I will never be able to understand how they feel. But, you know, my... My parents are split and my dad is sick. And so that's something that I feel like is my duty as a person, not only of color, but as their older sister, it's my job to teach them. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I've had the conversation with my brothers. What do you do when you're pulled over? What, what is the first thing that you do? You make sure that your hands are on the wheel. You don't Mm -hmm. argue. You don't cause havoc. You know, even if you didn't do anything wrong, please just, I don't want them to get into a situation where they get hurt. It's not, it has nothing to do with if they were in the wrong, I want them to speak for themselves, but I also want them to come home alive. Exactly. And it's scary that, you know, I have to think of that when I watch a video like George Floyd, I have to think this can be my brothers because it really can. You know, I tell my brothers too, they've been in different situations and I'm like, you have to be careful who you are around because there are people who will discriminate against you just because of who you are. Mm -hmm. You're a tall, big black boy. That's all they're going to see. They're not going to see that you're sweet and that you're caring and that you have a good heart and you're an aspiring athlete or that you're very brilliant. You know, they're not going to see those things. They're only going to see what they see on the outside. And it's so sad to me, but I mean, it's a conversation that I constantly have to have with Mm -hmm. them. And I make sure, you know, my younger brother, he is super involved with these riots and he feels like he needs to stand for the community. And I'm so grateful that he feels like that, but I'm also scared. I'm scared for, you know, I don't want him to get caught up in a situation where he gets hurt, 
you know? He could have been James on the side of the street. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it just, that is what scares me is I don't want them to ever think don't stand for yourself, but also like selfishly, I want them to be safe, mm-hmm. you know? Well, it's hard because, I mean, as we've seen, even if you even if you do stand up for yourself, you're seen as overreacting, you're seen as aggressive, you're mm. seen as um, causing conflict. Mm-hmm. But even if you're being even if you're listening or if you're being compliant, then you're still at risk of being killed and being shot and being oh, murdered or being arrested. I mean, even with the peaceful protests that we have seen, people are just standing their ground and saying what they believe from a distance and they're kneeling and they're just like professing what they feel. They're constitutional rights. Yeah. Exactly. And they're just saying it how they feel out loud. And there's this video and I don't remember where exactly this was, but it was a group of peaceful protesters. They're all kneeling, and there's a line of um, police officers in front of them just watching them. And there's this young man who's just saying, like, I, t- telling the police officers, he's saying, I love you guys. I thank you for protecting us. Like, not necessarily, like, condoning what's happening, but just saying, like, even though I'm a person of color, and you tend to go after me more than anyone else, I still appreciate you and I'm still here for you and doing all of this. And then there's a police officer who comes through. You think he's like going to come give him a hug, but he grabs him by the wrist and drags him away to arrest him. And see, that's the thing. It's like this community, I feel like, wants to change the world with love. But it's like love is not getting us anywhere. Peace is not getting us anywhere. And so it's gotten to the point where we have to start fires. We have to start flames. We have to start making people angry Mm -hmm. to really make them understand we're not going to do this anymore. We're not going to we're not going to keep settling for less. We have a voice and we want to be heard. And if you're not going to listen to us while we peacefully do it, then we're going to have to get crazy. Mm -hmm. Well, because even going along with what you just said, like thinking that the officer was going to do something nice, like even... Two nights ago, when in Omaha here, the police and every the force, like, they finally kneeled and said, like, we're here with you. But then 20 minutes later, it was curfew, and they're out shooting people with the rubber bullets again. Like, mm-hmm. that's not you standing with these people and trying to... I know there was the curfew law, and, like, you're technically breaking the law, but how can you sit here and be like, we're here for you, we're listening to you. Okay, now that this is over, now we're going to make sure that you're doing this, that, and the other. It's deep manipulation. Exactly. I mean, it's just for them to look good for the moment. I mean, I saw this post, and it suited it so perfectly. I am totally against the police kneeling because it wasn't doing anything positive. It's like like this. So you have an abusive boyfriend, okay? Today he's going to bring you flowers, but tonight he's going to whoop your ass. You know what I mean? That's what it is. It's an abuse of power. It's like saying, okay, for five seconds, we're going to look good for all these press shots, and then they're going to go out, and it's going to look like it's all over. Because then they're hoping it's a new page in the book. You turn around 30 minutes later and threw out pepper spray and... Exactly. Macing everybody. Macing, And shooting rubber bullets. So where did that get you? It didn't get you anywhere. Anywhere. It's not... You you actually don't look good. No. You look bad. (laughs) Because in the... I'm I'm not going to lie. I think I was with you when we saw the video of them kneeling. At, At first, I was kind of like, finally, like, this is like... Mm-hmm. a turn for a new page. But then literally, I'm not kidding, within 10 minutes is when we saw those videos of them shooting them with the rubber bullets yeah. because they are breaking an 8 o'clock curfew. Yeah. Which, again, I, I don't want to sit here and be like, breaking the law is good because it's not, but like an 8 o'clock curfew. There's a different That's way to go about right. it. You it's walk up to them and be like, hey guys, I hear you, I hear your voice, 
now it's time. Because if they were trying to be peaceful just 10 minutes ago, why are we not being peaceful now? Yeah. And I guess that's just where my thoughts are going to end with that because yeah. I don't, like, I still don't know, like, what their thought process of that was. Mm-hmm. I don't think anybody does. So I did find um, this <clears throat> a poem that this woman wrote, and her name is Emma Zeck, and she's on Instagram. And it's called, I Would Start Fires Too. And so I wanted to read it because I feel like it was, when I first read it, I was like, I don't know, kind of like took me for a whirl. Yeah. And it's very prevalent to kind of what's happening. So it says, if I kneeled peacefully and was ridiculed and my voice not heard, I would start fires too. If flames were louder than my screams that echoed throughout generations and fell silent on this nation, I would burn down every city out of my frustration. If those who killed my brothers and sisters blamed us for their senseless violence, I, too, would light a match and show them how it feels to be silenced. Who am I in a position of privilege to tell those who are marginalized how to react to oppression as if their behavior wasn't a response to the trauma who we have created in their moral character What was what is in question? If I cannot see the fires as a result of voices that have been extinguished needing my attention, I'm the one who should be under a microscope. I'm the one whose character should be in question. Wow. That's good. That was very well spoken. I feel like it was. Like, when I read that, because it's, like, so... It's like, what do you want? Because whether whether we're peaceful, whether we're starting fires... Or whatever violence You're unhappy damage regardless. is happening. Yeah. Like, someone always has something to say. Mm-hmm. It's like, you want us to be peaceful. Okay, we're peaceful. Here, listen to yeah. us then. If you if you're, if you don't want us to do shit, then just listen to mm-hmm. us. But it's like, oh, um, listening to you is just like a little bit too much work. Yeah. So we're just going to, we're going to act like we're listening, but then we're just going to be like, yeah, thumbs up. We'll, we'll make changes mm-hmm. in the world. And then completely ignore them yeah and that's why we've come to where we are today i mean that's a prime that poem i mean really explains you know if we can't do something peaceful and we get ridiculed you know for Mm -hmm. instance kneeling for the pledge i was just about to say like i remember when that was such an uproar just when and it's it's a huge thing i mean Mm -hmm. he was i'm pretty sure he was terminated from he was like let go and nobody wanted to pick him up and you know that's just like you can't even peacefully do something that has honestly it's not affecting you it's not it's not hurting you it's not causing someone pain it's not doing anything to harm another human being it's speaking for yourself and your constitutional rights and standing up for what you believe yet you're wrong Mm -hmm. so or your feelings got hurt but it's like what about all the um marginalized communities that have been oppressed and haven't experienced this the entire life and Mm -hmm. they've thought that same exact way but one thing happens where one person kneels or mm-hmm. and all of a sudden your feelings are hurt. Yeah. Or and vice versa, one person dies, it's gonna be all right. You guys just need to do better. Mm-hmm. Really? Yeah. You know, one person is is a person. You're yeah. still it's still a person. Right. Mm-hmm. Going I mean not to go back to like I mean we're talking about peaceful protests, but I I saw this like I don't want to call it a meme on Facebook, but it was essentially a picture of I don't even have it pulled up right here. It's like a picture of the people that are like burning things down. And it says like the caption of that picture is "Why can't they peacefully protest?" And then there's a picture of Kobe, or any basketball player with like a shirt that says "I can't breathe," but and then it says "But not like this." And there's a picture of Colin Kaepernick kneeling, and it says "Or like this." And it's just like a group of people like coming together, and it's like and not like this. So it's like you don't win no yeah, matter what. There's no like winning. there's no winning. Yeah, yeah, <clears throat> I know. 
Yeah, so um, kind of, I want to go a little bit and talk about kind of your um, personal experiences and how you feel they can be different to kind of depending on where you have lived. So I know you've spent some time living in Nebraska, you moved to California, moved yeah. back to Nebraska. So clearly those two states are very different in their political <clears throat> views, depending where you are. Mm -hmm. So uh, I was just, I want to know if you are comfortable kind of speaking on your living kind of situations, living yeah. in either yeah. place. Um, well, I was born here and then I lived in California um, from, I want to say I was like three until I was in the second grade. So I was seven. So for five years, um, I went to private school there. I went to a Catholic school. My family was is Catholic. I am not Catholic. Um, uh, and so there I had friends of all different races. My two best friends were, um, I had a, the girl, she was black, her, and her name was Amber. And then, um, my best friend Devin and he was biracial. His mom was white and his dad was black. And so I wouldn't say at that time I saw a whole lot of color. Mm -hmm. I don't think I was very, um, like I didn't notice things like that or intentional about the color I was around. Um, probably not until I moved back when um and then i moved back to bellevue and i went to fort crook which is like a predominantly um military-based school so there there were lots of different kids meaning like they were from different places but i didn't really go to school with a lot of black kids um i experienced my first black teacher at fort crook miss rogers and she was amazing i loved her so much um and then i went to mission for middle school and unfortunately, like, the black kids that were around me were, like, they just didn't grow up the same way as me. And mm -hmm. so they weren't people that I super connected with. Right. I mean, I had friends that were colored, but I wouldn't say I was really surrounded by a lot of colored kids, you know. Uh -huh. Maybe the boys, but not girls, for sure. And um, I was shocked when I moved back to California. I moved back um, mid-semester of eighth grade. And it was just crazy because it wasn't what you thought. Like, being white was the minority where I lived. And I lived in the Bay Area, and so it was a lot of, like, Filipinos. And, like, my whole church was actually Filipino. Um, Asian and black and Native American. All a lot those, of diversity. So crazy diverse. Um, I had I had more diverse friends than I did have white friends. And... I mean, I had a Hispanic friend, and she taught me, you know, a lot of her Hispanic um, family culture, and that was just amazing to experience itself. And I think when I lived there, it was such an amazing culture shock of seeing so many different people that when I came back again, I was just like, hmm. I don't know. I wanted to continue where I it, the experiences that I had, but I, I mean, going to East, it's pretty diverse. Um, there's a lot of kids of different races, but mm -hmm. even still so, it's not the same as I mean, You're still California. in a conservative state totally. compared to California, which is very liberal, very diverse. Oh, yeah, totally. It's very, very, very different, just the way. And, you know, I would say another thing, too, is, I mean, this doesn't even have to do with race, but when I lived in California, just the, the way people were, like, they were so welcoming. Mm -hmm. And... They were, I mean, I dressed really funky because I came from Nebraska, so they would always, like, you know, mess around and laugh at the way I would do things. But they were all so welcoming. Like, it wasn't like I felt like I was out of place. 
And then I realized how out of place I was before. It almost like taught me what I didn't know from my past right. of like living in situations where I was only friends with the white kids, you know, mm-hmm. and not experiencing black black families and things like that. So I think that that was interesting. And then as I got older, I moved to Omaha. I didn't want to stay in Bellevue. And I met a lot more people of that of color. And I um, started going to church at Bridge here in Omaha. And I met so many people of different ethnicities there. And I think that that was really awesome to see just such empowering people of different colors. I mean, I tell people all the time, especially at school, because at my school, I'm in nursing school, I go to Methodist, so my you don't really see a whole lot of black teachers, especially at my school. And there was one black teacher, and I find myself almost like gravitated towards black women who are of some sort of... Um, career choice similar to mine Uh Mm -hmm. and so I just find myself in awe by them like I just want to be their best friend I want them to like take me under their wing it's just so inspiring and I had told my teacher she was actually sitting next to me and I said it's something about seeing a black woman doing what I do what I'm gonna do and she's like well yeah kids want to see what they're gonna be in those positions Mm -hmm. and I think that that is just so powerful because like how many times that it's been going around on social media like when was the first time you saw your black teeth a black when when was the first time you had a black teacher yeah. mm-hmm. and i'm just like you know kids growing up they don't see enough empowerment if they're not surrounded by that right. you know i think that that's so important is to be around people who are similar to you mm-hmm. and you know growing up with two different families i couldn't say that i always had that you know and that's something that i really try and talk to my brothers about too i'm like you have to find people that are like you and that's not like segregating yourself but it's also just like finding the power from people that are just like you because you don't have that when you're younger unless your parents instill that in you i mean i know people who are black and their parents have just always instilled that in them their parents are empowering themselves but as someone who's different races you know all mixed jumbled together you don't always experience that so those were probably the differences that i experienced between nebraska and california and i was going to bring up like i feel like especially on Facebook right now, everybody's been talking about, like, when was the first time you had your first African-American teacher? And it is so crazy, like, because you don't really... I mean, I guess maybe it's because, again, I'm white. Maybe it's just because I am white. Like, I don't think of it as... I don't want to say special, but, like, you know, like, you... You are... Like you said, you gravitate towards somebody of your... Who's similar to you. And that's, that's normal. But, like, for me, like, I just... I guess I don't see color, so I just, like, I didn't really think of it like that. So, it, like, made you, makes you think of, like, oh, wow, like, there isn't really many people in certain fields of jobs, you know? Yeah. Like, because at my elementary school, I think there was one black teacher. Mm-hmm. At our middle school, there might have been a couple, but, again, I didn't have them. I didn't experience I didn't my either. first one until I was in high school, yeah. and that was for, like, one year. And then after that, I don't even know how many... I think there was, again, just a few, a handful of African-American teachers at our high school. So oh, yeah. it is just so, like, it makes you stop and think. Totally. That's what I, like, that's, I guess that's what I'm trying to get at. Like, it makes you stop and think of, like, how different it is and just... I always think about, too, it's like a good question I, I ask people is, when was the first time you realized there were different races? Right. And um, I actually used to nanny for this family who I just adore. Um, it's funny because when she called me... Um, 
my mom found her on the neighborhood app and they had just moved in their military family and they needed a babysitter for the night. So I was like, this would be great, do it. So I was in high school and I called her. I think it was like my junior year of high school and I called her and I had no clue anything about this woman. I didn't see a picture of her, nothing. And she has this thick Southern accent and I don't know what it was, but it terrified me. I thought that, you know, she saw a picture of my mom because my mom's on the neighborhood app, mm-hmm. but she didn't know what I looked like. Yeah. And so she was like, hey, hey y'all you know this thick southern accent she's like yeah we'd love to have you You sound great um do you want to come over tonight and watch the kids so I'm like okay they don't even want to meet me for sure so I go over to the house and I'm just my heart is just racing and I am terrified of the fact that I think that she's not gonna want me to watch her kids because I'm black I was like she doesn't know what I look like she only knows what my mom looks like she has a thick southern accent and it's not to say like you know, in different areas, there's more racism than the other. But I just didn't know what I was getting myself into, and I was so nervous. Well, I go, I get the kids to sleep. The house is clean. She comes home, and she's like, oh, my God, you're amazing. Like, we love you. You're our saint. And I ended up being their babysitter for five years. And they're someone who's so dear and close to my heart. And, you know, I finally told them. It was probably, like, three years after. I was like, honestly, I was terrified to come here because I thought that you wouldn't want me to watch your kids because I'm black, and you wouldn't know who I was. And she was like, oh, my gosh, no. She was like, that is not the case over here. And she's like, you know, I understand where you're coming from, but Mm -hmm. that's not the case. Well, you know, then we started talking more about race. And I had told her, you know, I wonder if Anna Kate, she was when I started watching her youngest daughter, um, she only has two kids, but her youngest she was, um, I think, about like 10 months old. So I, I watched her her whole life, honestly. And I always wondered if Anna Kate knew that we were different. And so I would ask Anna Kate, like, well, I would put our arms next to each other, and I would say, "What? look at us. And she would just see human. There right. was no color. And so for the longest time, there was just, it was just, I'm Raya, and I'm just a human. I'm her babysitter, and she loves me. Well, I guess one day she noticed um, at the grocery store a, a mixed girl with curly hair. And she goes, Mariah, Mariah. And her mom's like, that's not Mariah. And she goes, it's Mariah. And it's funny because, you know, she noticed mm-hmm. me from a distance, but it wasn't me. Yeah. Well, then she had saw, I guess, an African family come in. And she was like, Mariah does not look like them. So she noticed right then and there that there was a difference between being mixed and being black, mm-hmm. fully black. And she got offended. I guess later on there was a conversation and um, her mom was like, you know, Mariah's black or had said something, you know, just talking more about it. Because I, I want her to know, you know, there is a difference, but to love all people. Mm-hmm. And she was just so like, Mariah's not black. Mariah's not black. And it's so funny to me because kids don't really, like, see full colors. No. You know, my cousin, he's white. And growing up, he would always say that we were gray. Because we're not full black, so we're gray. Mm-hmm. And it was just, it's it's adorable, but it's just well, like. because black and white make gray. Exactly, so. because we're mixed. Exactly. And so he would be like, I want to be, I want a gray mommy. Because my mom would listen to Black Eyed Peas in the car in <laughs> country. And so it's just, it's funny to me. Because like, sweet little Carter, like he just doesn't know. He didn't know the difference. Yeah. So I always like, I like to ask people, I'm like, when did you notice the difference between your race or just other people? When did you notice that there is a difference between people and not just that they're a boy and a girl, but that one's black, one's native, one's Asian, one's white. When did you notice that? And I can't even tell you when I noticed it. No, I was going to say that's a good question because I honestly, I I think it's, I mean, I think it also, I don't know if helps the right word, but I think it helps when like you are, you grow up with all different types of people because then you don't see, like, like you said, like 
the girl you you used to babysit for, she just saw you as a human. She oh, did, yeah. when you showed you her arm, she was like, "It's an arm, yeah, like, that's skin." Yeah. Like, yeah. I think that helps when you do grow up with so many different backgrounds, so many yeah. different people, so many different everything's that like you don't see them for what they are; you see them for who they are who instead. They are. Yeah, mm-hmm. totally. Yeah, it was very interesting too. That's oh, uh, a good question. Experience makes you think. Yeah. It does. It does. It's like honestly, even thinking back to my own per- personal experiences. I don't, there's like no, there's no turning point in your mind where it's like, oh, I was seven years old when I, when I found out that my, I look like somebody was this and somebody was that. It's just like, that's, as a child, that's not something that goes through your mind, especially if you're taught up too, if you're grown and taught to accept everybody for who they are regardless. And so it kind of brings into the topic of like, kids don't know racism. No. And so here's my thing. Racism is strictly taught. You know, that's just, that is complete proof that racism is taught in this country. And it's not, I mean, not just this country, but especially this country. And it's like, kids don't wake up one day and say, ew, I don't like black people. Mm -hmm. You know, you have two black, you have a white baby and a black baby laying next to each other. They're just going to play. They don't see colors, they play. It's just like that video of those two, like, two-year-olds who mm-hmm. are the ones it's a little black boy oh, and a little yeah. white boy they just run up and hug each other uh-huh. and it's like and the and like pretty sure the captain is like racism is like taught like it's, it's not totally hey, you're taught. not born like yeah it's totally taught and you know like i said earlier it's generational and you know it's it's unfortunate because i think a lot of these problems are generational and it's it's very sad to me you Absolutely. know it's generational on both sides it's generations going down explaining racism to their children and their children and their children and then they just never forget it Mm -hmm. and then it's also generational that black people have been misused mistreated just completely hurt and so they carry this hurt and so you know you come to a point too where black people don't trust white people and they wonder why it's because my grandma was you know a slave and this is how she felt. So she expressed her stories to me. So now I feel a hurt for her. Mm-hmm. So it's this generational, like, distress across the board. And no one... The thing is, is you can't take away someone's hurt. Everybody's yeah. feelings are valid. But what you can take away is an ill belief, a, a wrong belief. And the wrong belief is that one color is superior to the other. Absolutely. And I think it's funny, too, is I've never seen a black say, oh, we're just the best person in the whole wide world. Now, let's right. be real. A lot of black Americans, or just black people in general, have started a lot of things. A mm-hmm. lot of our culture, a lot of our ideas, a lot of our songs, our music, mm-hmm. it comes from them. They are they they start all these trends, but they're not the people saying, oh, we're the best in the world. You know, we They just want fairness. That's yeah. all they're asking for. They're not asking for anything crazy. They're just asking for fairness. And, and equality. Exactly. It's like everybody is, is, is obsessed with black culture, but when it comes to exactly. black people, mm-hmm. they're like... Oh, it's, it's so backwards. It's just sick to me. You know, Mm. we, we infatuate over black culture and everything that, you know, is cool and fetch and whatever at the moment, but then we don't want to make them equal, you know, Mm -hmm. you know, screw them. Yeah. So it's, 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 it's a conversation that I feel like is always going to be had and it always needs to be had. And, Mm. you know, I, um, I can say that. Personally, I feel so grateful that I have people around me that I can't have these conversations with because yeah. I can't imagine if I had to hold all this no. in. And I was going to hit on that with, like, you talked about, like, racism is generational. So it gives me some sort of hope with how accepting 
I mean, obviously not everyone's accepting because the shit that's happening in this world right now. But it's like a lot of people are accepting of everybody. So that just gives me hope for the next generation, how much yeah. more accepting they're oh, yeah. going to be. Like the millennials versus the boomers. We, right. Oh, we grew up due, through different times. Absolutely. So they have completely different mindsets. Yeah. I mean, my grandpa is a boomer and I went and saw him today and he, I can't, I quote, he said, I love your generation because you guys take no shit. Right. And it's it's the truth. Like we are the changed generation. We are the, we ultimately we will change the world. And in the simple fact of we're going to change the world by the things that are important. Teaching our kids, teaching our colleagues, teaching our coworkers, teaching the PR families. Like I feel like personally I educate my family constantly. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying I'm the smartest person in the world, but my family will see a viewpoint because of who they are. Mm-hmm. I mean, most of them are white, educated, well off and I have to express to them you have to see this perspective I see where you're coming from but you have to understand what's really going on under the scenes behind and coming from a person who is of color I want you to understand this and I'm so grateful that I do have family that is willing to not only listen to me but take action when it's necessary Mm -hmm. you know I think that they always would but they you know you have we're going to be the generation that just ultimately just teaches and changes I truly believe Makes me excited. Yeah, and especially with kind of how persistent in how people are so willing to fight for one another and, like, fight for equal rights and fight for equal justice and all of that. That is, like, so important. And, like, like we mentioned before, just having this conversation now just with ourselves Mm -hmm. will, you know, bind us together and make us take action on our own. And so uh, just having the conversation, but not only having the conversation, but like you mentioned, going out and taking action, whether that's, if you are able to protest, do so. If you're able to donate, do so. If you're able to like sign the petitions, Mm -hmm. do your research. So that way you aren't just talking about it, but you're also going and taking the action and being the change that needs to happen. We said everybody has a role, and I truly believe that no one during this time should be sitting doing nothing. Everyone can be doing something. You can be going to the jail and handing out snacks to people. Mm -hmm. Um, You can be signing petitions. Everyone has a job right now, and it's so important that everybody takes their job seriously. And just because, you know, we've rioted, we've protested, we've set flames, and people are being charged now the police officers are being charged it's not over no there's still so many people that's step one out of a million yes there's so many people who are still not at justice Mm -hmm. and those voices still need to be heard those people who have passed still need to reach justice and so this is just needs to be a stepping stone for everyone to know okay this is now my role and this is the step i'm going to take to continue my role like zach said you know where do I go? How do I keep going? This is how you keep going. You figure out what is your role. I'm an ally. I'm going to keep signing petitions. I'm going to keep reading up and educating myself. Continue to do that. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm a black woman. I'm going to continue to stand up for myself and teach other kids and, you know, my peers or my family members, just knowing your role and continuing it is so important. And if you're sitting here and like not knowing what your role is, like I, I think it is okay to like feel like you don't know what your role is, but totally. it is. But what you need to do is be proactive and try to figure out what it is. Because I mean, I, I know I've talked about multiple times on this episode, but like a few days ago when I was with Mariah, I told her, I was like, I don't know what my role is. That's why I don't want to be posting anything. I don't want to be doing anything because I don't want to come across as this is my role when it's really not my role. Yeah. So if your role is to wait a little bit, 
talk to somebody, text somebody, just do research. Like Marissa says, educate yourself, sign a petition. Mm-hmm. You can start small, but you need to find what your role is yeah. eventually. Like I had a, um, a friend of mine, she's super um, an activist for our community, and she said, you know, if you're unsure, ask. Right. Please ask. Like, if you are like, you know what? I do feel strongly on this, but I feel uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. First off, no good change happens without being uncomfortable. Second, so you're in a good position to get started. Secondly, if you don't know what to do, ask. Ask someone that you're close to who is of color and say, hey, what can I do to support you? Hey, what can I do to support your community? Where can I take a step to make a difference? Just by doing that, they could give you so many different ideas. And, you know, you have the confidence to be able to execute those ideas and feel better as an ally and say, okay, now I know what my role is instead of questioning and staying behind. Because mm-hmm. like it, like we've said, and you see it a lot on social media, is staying quiet is being compliant. Mm-hmm. And it is the truth. I do, I do think staying quiet is being compliant. But... Social media isn't always the way to go. You know, maybe you're at, maybe what your role is is not social media. It's not right. posting because yeah. it may not be from the heart and really passion. You know, maybe it is just helping your friend and going out and protesting. Maybe it's something different. So whatever it is, ask. Always ask. It never hurts to ask. I'm never offended by being asked. Right. Mm-hmm. And even like if you... If you don't want to ask, just do the research. Literally, all you have to do is open up Google and be like, what can I do? And there will be 700 million articles on uh, how to take action. Even if you, like you mentioned, there's people who don't have social media. And just because they're not um, posting on social media doesn't mean they're not doing something, which can be give or take because whatever. But as long as you are still taking action, making the donations where you can, signing the petitions, doing the research on black history, not just what's happening now, but what has happened in the past and has led us to where we are now in this current state. And I believe that it just needs to be talked about because even if, like you mentioned, if you're uncomfortable, nothing comes from a comfort zone. Nothing. Nothing does. But at the same time, if you're uncomfortable... I believe that is because you were told to be uncomfortable mm-hmm. about this. You were taught to not say anything mm-hmm. because you're uncomfortable. You're just not quite sure what to say. And even if, like, there was a quote, and I was trying to find it, but I can't, that I saw on um, that I saw on social media that said, like, if you're not sure, stop saying you're not sure. Take the action and mm-hmm. figure out where your role is. Even if it's something small, like Zach said, whether that's reading an article or even talking to your parents or your siblings or signing something, yeah. um, that those small changes will lead into such a bigger picture and such a bigger change. Right. Totally. I mean, because even going along with that, with you saying, like, just researching what you can do, like, even right before this, I'm going to be honest, like, some of the things, some of the quotes that I read is things that I was looking up right before we started this podcast, just because it's like, I don't know enough information about, like, something like this. So I literally just Googled, like, I don't know if this is the most political way to put it, but I literally just Googled, like, how to help a black friend in a situation right now. Just because, and then that's where I got the information. And it's something like what you said, like text them, ask them how they are doing. Like just start some, start small with like asking and just telling them that you're there for them and just trying your best too. Because at the end of the day, I mean, even I think the point of this podcast is, like we said, we don't know everything, but as if our voice is being heard by one person, that one person can change a million after that. So Mm -hmm. you can reach so many through your voice. Yeah. So, (laughs) with all being said, we just want to kind of 
we just wanted to have this conversation, like I've said a million times, just because I feel like it's something that needs to be said and it's something that needs to be talked about now and tomorrow and the next day and next week and next year and so on and so on. And so we just want to thank you guys Mm -hmm. for listening and thank you so much to Mariah for coming on and being willing and being open to share her own stories and share her personal experience to not only help us, but help other people Mm -hmm. as well who have gone through the same things that she has gone through and will continue to because those are the voices out of everyone's that need to be acknowledged that need to be heard because they cannot continue to be suppressed they cannot continue to be ignored because that that's the case then nothing will ever come out of this exactly well thank you guys so much for having me it was a pleasure and thank you i really feel like we um this conversation was necessary so i'm excited to see who all we can embark on in this journey we've got going on here it's only step one yeah and if you don't know where to start we'll post some things on our Instagram as well of maybe some, if you really don't know, maybe some um, petitions that are, will go a long way places that you can donate other podcasts that you can listen to. I know I was looking, um, also, and there's so many different podcasts, um, about racism and diversity and discrimination that a lot of people talk about. So I think one of them was like code switch by NPR, um, my thing's not loading, of course. So, <laughs> but yeah, we'll post some information and in some places that you can go to to do some research, some things you can listen to, um, just to kind of further the conversation yeah. a little bit, get some conversations rolling. Yeah. Or like even we can post things like where you, where you can support like black businesses in Omaha. Like we can oh, do yeah. more things local too. So we're not here trying to promote our Instagram, but we're trying Absolutely. to <laughs> promote our Instagram to promote other things. Yeah, if that's yeah. the bigger picture. We want to so. promote our community and really make sure that we're stepping the right direction. And um, continuing to make those changes. Right. You know, we've said multiple times that it's not going to end tomorrow. So this conversation is a must-have continuum. So, I mean, the quote like RuPaul says, if you can't help yourself, how the hell are you can, how can you help somebody else? So if we can't help Nebraska, there's no way we can help the bigger. So we might we as well start. We can't even help our city. Right. right. Exactly. Start, start small and keep growing. Yeah. So with that being said, if you want to learn more, if you want to continue, if you want to. Right. Make sure to check out our Instagram. It is cheers to podcast. Um, and we will be posting anything that we find. And if mm-hmm. you guys think you have something to submit it to us, and we will definitely post yeah. it out there as well. We'd be happy to share it. Right. Well, thanks so much for listening. Um, I hope you guys have an amazing week. Yay. And we will Bye. See the change and do the work. Love you all.